0: Are you ready to take your cybersecurity skills to new heights? Look no further than Cybrary, the best way to learn cybersecurity skills online. With an accessible and affordable training platform, curated career paths, threat informed training and certification preparation, Cybrary has everything you need to succeed. Visit cybrary.it today. Start for free and unlock your potential. Elevate your cybersecurity journey with Cybrary. Enjoy the podcast and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss future episodes. Hello, and welcome back to the Cyberry podcast. I have a privilege again today to be joined by none other than Ron Lewis uh, of uh, Patero fame. This is series, uh, episode three in a series of episodes where, you know, Cyberary and Patero are talking about uh, quantum and its impacts on the cybersecurity industry at large. So if you missed the other two episodes, definitely go back and catch those. Uh, We talk a little bit about uh, the chicken little syndrome uh, as it relates to quantum or I just don't care about quantum in episode one. And then in episode two, we talk a little bit about many of the cues. You know, I I don't think, Ron, that cybersecurity has enough acronyms. So I really appreciate quantum entering in with a bunch of them that are similar, but different and a (laughs) lot more of them, right? (laughs) Uh, You know, thankfully, Ron helps us lay out some of those things, um, you know, those acronyms and the impact of those things too, as well. Post-quantum cryptography and and a number of other uh, Q acronyms, as Ron mentioned, it seems like they're all Q acronyms. Like, why not, right? It's quantum. Um, but I'm excited today to talk about uh, an interesting topic really at the intersection of cybersecurity, cybersecurity leadership, and how Quantum is going to be impacting that. And you know, what we're going to talk about a little bit today is um, you know, CISOs as the new yes, uh, man or woman, as it were, right? So, you know, I think uh, Ron can... Enumerate this a little bit more, but um, you know, I think the unfortunate reality, as the person that's ultimately on the hook uh, for the security of an organization, um, CISOs and security leaders and practitioners even find themselves often in a position of saying no um, to a lot of the things and the objectives and the ways in which business wants to do their work. Right, so it's this funny, uh, funny give and take push and pull between the CIO that wants to enable business and the CISO that wants to keep the business secure, but often at the cost of unenabling the business to do what they want to do. Um, So, and I'm sure, you know, Ron will help us understand that quantum helps address some of that. But, um, you know, Ron, what are you seeing, you know, help us kind of lay out the baseline of of where you think cybersecurity is at and cybersecurity leadership in particular of Hey, Ron, we want to do this cool thing. It's going to make us X number of revenue. It's going to be great, right? And That's enter
1: player team. It's, it's funny that you say that because the world is changing, right? And we're seeing a fundamental shift. And, you know, I'll tell you, I think now is a great time to be a security guy. Um, and so here to now, it's always been tough, right? I mean, as a security guy, you're stuck in the middle. You're the, you're the gatekeeper, that's responsible. And you, you and you, you, said it, I mean, very, very nicely. It's there's this perpetual need to balance usability, and safety, security. And, and, and when I say safety, when we say security. And then in the next breath safety, that's because I am I'm, I'm always thinking now about the OT critical infrastructure, right? And, and so here to now security has always been an encumbrance. We think of it. It's like, Oh, you're the, you're the security guy. Right. oh, you're him. And it reminds me of uh the 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 program um Seinfeld, you know, and it's like Newman, you know, and it's like and, and you feel like that as a security guy, it's like oh. and and I can't tell you the number of phone calls that I would make and it's and it's especially hard and tragic, you know when somebody calls you and he goes, hey, I need you to prove this, you know, and it's like, and then someone in leadership executive leadership leans in and says, hey, I really need you to approve this. It's like, but I can't. I mean, we're going to jeopardize the security of our organization. When you start talking about cyber physical integration, it becomes even harder because it's no longer, uh, uh, hey, someone's going to lose their data. It's a, hey, someone's going to lose their life. Right. And so, and so, I, but I think a new day is dawning in security where, you know, we get to be the good guys for once. Right. And, and we're, we're looking at these emerging technologies as enabling technologies. And so, and I love the titles, uh, the CISO, the new yes man, right? Man, as a security guy, I love to say yes, it's just hard. you know. Yeah, and um, it's,
0: it's tough too, right? So when, you, when you're in that position, and you're having to, you know, the impact of this is of the most severe, uh, you know, potential loss of human life. And then when you factor in that, yeah, but it's impact times probability helps us calculate our risk. And then, Oh my gosh! Like when, when executive <laughs> leadership wants to do something, and you say, "Well, yeah, but we can't because something might happen." Well, okay, Ron, security person, help me understand what the probability of that happening is, and that's that's its own sort of rabbit hole. And I, I find that you know too right. often we get either pushed aside or it's just a really really hard job to do. Right? Like the impact is potentially astronomical. I don't really know what the probability of it is, but I'm telling you, we shouldn't do it.
1: But, but the impact is high. So so even though the likelihood might be low, the impact is so high, we've got to plan for it, right? And um, and, and I remember like a, a childhood story of, of the little kid that's trying to keep, you know, the dam from breaking. And so he's sticking his fingers in all the little leaks, right? And, and I mean, that that's just such an accurate depiction of, of a lot of, I mean, so my background, obviously, if, you, if you've Googled me or, or read anything about me, I'm an appsec pioneer, right? So application security and, and data leaking, I, I always found myself in that position. And, um, and and when we talk about the chicken little syndrome, I mean, that's the knee-jerk response. The sky is falling. Huh. You know, there's a, there's a flaw. And, and I love that. So I go back to, you know, as we start talking about things that quantum can do, you know, we often talk about quantum as a threat. But I love that today we're going to talk about quantum as a good thing, not as a bad thing, you know? And so I love that. I, I think a lot. So I, I, I don't know. I, I was thinking about buying a Tesla and if not a Tesla, uh, you know, an electric vehicle, cause it's kind of all the rage now. Um, and, uh, and it's funny because it it, 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 it brings about a lot of thoughts about security. You know, we, we think about things like uh, removable storage and, you know, USB drives I don't know if you so when you think about man what can happen if I stick this USB drive in in an unknown USB port I saw a report um, that said uh, general hygiene practices for mobile devices you know don't don't plug your phone into a public charger but we're gonna take this like you know 50 60 100000 thousand dollar automobile and what are we gonna do we're gonna plug it into a public charger and we're gonna hope that the only thing that happens is my battery gets charged on my car, right? And so there's some security issues there that really have me thinking. Um, and then, you know, and, and, and security guys are looking at the whole EV charging, what kind of attack vectors does that open up uh, for malfeasant, you know, bad actors? You know, can, can I poison a car and have a, 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 an impact on the critical infrastructure? you know, the, the, the power grid mm-hmm. and, you know, and what about self-inflicted denials of service when a whole bunch of people suddenly are plugging in cars into these chargers. And yeah, I know, I mean, the electrical engineers will tell you, I'm a cyber engineer, you know, the electrical engineers will tell you, we got this, we got it covered, but the potential for a catastrophic event is pretty high. Right. Um, and the impact of that is, you know, you know, a staggering, potential for loss of life. Not, not from the EV chargers, but imagine, I mean, if the power grid were to go down, it says like in three days, you know, the impact on loss of life is severely high. So but anyway. Yeah,
0: most definitely. I wonder, um, you know, we talked a little bit about critical infrastructure and some of those things. And I, I know, it, it help me understand, and, and let's, let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, particularly in these manufacturings, the ICS, critical infrastructure, like can the CISO just say no? Like, no, we're not gonna we're not gonna hook all this stuff up oh, to the internet man. because that's how it's that's how we secure it. No, we're not gonna be transmitting this data across the web. No, we're not like they can just say no, and it's I mean it's critical
1: infrastructure,
0: <laughs> right, Ron? So you'd think they would simply be able to just say no, but we both know that we, doesn't we need, hold
1: up. So you know why does some, that break? Something, something we need to do is set up support groups for CSOs, CISOs, right? <laughs> Especially after the Uber. You know, uh, Mr. Sullivan was you know convicted for whatever, but you know, so CISOs are, are dealing from shell shock. You know, I can't tell you the number of times that I get pulled into a meeting where you know the the CTO comes in and goes, "Hey guys, I had this great idea. We're going to implement digital twinning," and and the CIO goes, "Oh, that's fantastic because we've got this business process improvement uh, initiatives that you know we can apply." these emerging technologies like AI and we can, we can do what if analysis and, you know, and, and then, you know, alphabet soup, like kind of like all the cues. And then the CISO is sitting there going, wait, (laughs) you know, how are you going to get the data? And, and, and I see this a lot where, where, um, more more often than not, and it's kind of scary to me is, you know, we see environments where the CISO caved and said, yes, and then I think about, you know, um, the manufacturing plants, you, you, it's kind of horrifying. And, and so the news doesn't report it a whole lot, but the, the number of, of uh, manufacturing environments that have been compromised because the CISO said, let's go ahead and collapse Purdue. And let's just put in a firewall. It's not that hard. We can get the data out. We don't need all these layers of segmentation. We'll just put in a single firewall. It'll be great. You know, and then things like the Colonial Pipeline breach, JBS, the meatpacking plant, and look at look at Colonial, the Col- Colonial Pipeline ransomware and JBS ransomware attacks, and the impact on two two critical things, right? Um, what amazed me, and what what was you know horrifying at the same time. So amazingly horrifying. <laughs> if that's a thing. Um, the Colonial Pipeline in the, on the on the southeast, right? I mean the impact. Uh, to the consumer was amazing. I mean, amazing. And then the JBS meatpacking plant affected our our global food supply. And granted we recovered. I mean, and nobody, nobody died um, this time. Right. And so, but you have to ask yourself, you know, was it worth it? And then, and then we go back to quantum. So why would you just put in a firewall when you can actually put in the right technologies now? And so, and that brings up the other point, right? So CISOs tend to, and, and I say that we have to have a support group for CISOs and security guys because, you know, you, you, you do the right thing and you say no to the bad idea, but then it comes back to, but we've already invested in this. We've invested N number of millions of dollars because it was the right thing to do. And we're, you know, we're trying to show value to our shareholders. And, and yeah, that's fantastic. But but the poor CISO is trying to figure out, how do I make that work? And so sometimes, and that gets us to the second answer, which is not no, or an emphatic no. It's a yes, but, you know, okay, I'm going to tell you yes, that way you don't fight with me. And I'm going to tell you, okay, yes, but here are the conditions. And then everybody leaves the, the, the meeting happy until the implementers go, wait, I can't. I can't do anything with all of these conditions. You might as well have just said no. And the CISO staff goes, ah, you got me, (laughs) you know.
0: Yeah, and it is interesting too, right? So from a critical infrastructure, and you mentioned two really recent relevant uh, uh, mentions, one affecting our food supply, one other affecting our energy supply, and there are any number of other critical infrastructure sectors that can be impacted by these things. But it is, I think, really interesting to me as well when some of the work that those teams are wanting to do to get telemetry to have better integrated systems is in the name of safety in and of itself right so when you've got this huge infrastructure of pipelines that you have to manage and maintain you probably want to know when a valve or a pressure regulator is not working the way that it needs to so that you can do something about it and it's out in the middle of nowhere so i've got to go in and plug in this really simple firewall that has a little 5g card in it and it's going to be totally fine but right so th- it's tough right they need that telemetry to do the job of keeping us all safe because nobody wants the pipeline to blow up right next to their house but then it's like so okay so how do we do it
1: right how do we how do we accomplish this right and so it's funny you know the 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 number one statement or the number one need that I hear from CISOs, especially in the manufacturing arena critical infrastructure it's the same I mean we should, we should write a song it's like I need insight and visibility insight and visibility that's that's what I need. And it's, it's in, you know, discussion after discussion after discussion. And, and, and it's to the point to where I walk into a meeting and the CISO goes, you know what I need? And I go, "Inside and visibility. And then there's this like dramatic buzz. Yes!
0: <laughs> yeah, we totally should. There's totally should be a YouTube video riff on, on that. Uh, that would be a great song to put into the space um, without a doubt. So, so great, and, and, we've got these systems that we need. Let's say we've got a, a chemical processing plant that processes chlorine or ammonia. <laughs> Obviously, you need all the telemetry from all the systems that are there. And is it accurate to say generally, in your opinion, that a lot of those systems, some of the concern now is that we want to be able to monitor them remotely. So we're hooking them up to the public internet in one way or another so that we get the telemetry that we need from them, which introduces a whole new network attack vector into all of them. But again, we need that information to keep everybody safe. But the technologies weren't really built for that. They were never intended for that security wasn't really a consideration because they were never really designed to be connected to the network, the public network in the first place.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, security generally tends to be an afterthought. I mean, we it's a mistake. I mean, Bob Metcalf, when he designed Ethernet, it was all about data sharing, right? Connecting a bunch of things together and security was like, we're trying to share, why why do we need security? (laughs) And then we built a whole global ecosystem on something that wasn't secure and then we tried to wrap it in security, right? And, And so that it's inherently flawed. And so the manufacturing environments were all about, you know, industrial evolution and, and automation. And so, and so, uh, you know, Purdue and the Purdue model coming out of Purdue University. Thank you very much, 1972. Um, I, I think it was 72. I could be wrong on that. But, but it was in the, in the, in the early seventies. And, and the idea was, let's, let's put in some safeguards. You know, we've we've got sensors that are that are collecting data that are directly affecting the line and the equipment on the line. And then let let's put in something that that can monitor the line. And then we we also have all of the stuff that's collecting data from a factory perspective. And that was about as far as we got. Right. And so and it's like, hmm, well, we want to make sure that, you know, dude. I, I love the I Love Lucy show. Have you ever seen the show where her and um her best friend and the name escapes me now ethel Ethel. so ethel and lucy are at the chocolate factory making you know and they're just eating all this chocolate right because it's like we can't get in the packages fast enough and and they just i mean they do so much damage you know and and, and in a way Purdue was designed to prevent one 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 misperforming actor on a line can't you know mess up the whole line you know, one bad sensor or one bad motor or one bad controller doesn't affect the you know the output completely. You know, and then and then the plant manager being able to supervise everything. And so going back to the the Lucy and Ethel, you know, in the show the the, the foreman comes in and is like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> you know, but but in, in reality now with Purdue, you know, the plant manager is looking at you know, all of the chocolate on, on all of the lines and going, hey, there's not enough chocolate and exiting that, that end of that production line. So Lucy and Ethel must be eating it. Um, <laughs> and so that that's kind of, and so we went, okay, so we've got all these layers of isolation or segmentation, you know, NIST 882 calls for layers of segmentation, you know, for critical infrastructure. And 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 the idea, it goes back to kind of castle and mode and the idea is defense in depth. You know, you have to, compromise, you know, layers five and four to hit the DMZ. Then you have to compromise the DMZ to get to layer three. You have to compromise layer three to get to layer two, you know, and then layer two is where the real damage could could occur. Um, And so the target is layer two. Um, By collapsing Purdue, you stick a firewall in, in front of layer two, layer three, and eliminate the layers of segmentation is a very scary thought.
0: Um, and so the the objective there would be all these layers add complexity, right? But by design and somewhat, that's, that's part of the reason that they work the way that they work and accomplish their job. But nobody wants the additional complexity when you're having to deal with it day to day. Yeah. So we want to either take that part out or. which has its own downfalls or, you know, maybe another alternative play could be, well, let's just totally rework the critical infrastructure system and update all the systems so that they are secure by design. And we're going to update all of our sensors and all of our telemetry and all of the tools that read them with new standards. And, you know, we talked a little bit about this last last time you and I met, it's (laughs) like total infrastructure overhaul is a really simple thing that everybody gets behind.
1: You can't, you can't, you can't do a rip and replace, right. You know, and, and I think about, so Purdue has layers. They're like ogres. Ogres have layers, right? And uh, um, in a nod to Shrek and Donkey, um, but you know, so but you can't. A lot of these controllers are are built in the '70s and '80s. Um, some of the modern ones built in the 1990s, but we're still talking about technology that you know that that's hard to to maintain from a security perspective. I mean, you think about the the age of that equipment. And then you think about ripping and replacing and replacing with what? Um, it, my dad used to tell me when I was a kid, you don't, you don't fix something that ain't broke, <laughs> you know? And, 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 and that, that um, mentality is in a lot of these manufacturing environments, we're not going to replace something until it breaks. And a lot of the, the manufacturing environments that I've got to survey do hands-on. I mean, they're, they're no kidding right out of the 1970s, you know, kind of, kind of like a Jane Fonda movie wood <laughs> it's so, it's so or something, you know, and you, you walk in and, and, uh, it's just amazing to me. And then you think about, well, if we were going to update these, what are we going to update them with? Right. And so I, I think, and, but so, but there's some solutions, uh, you know, and so there's a couple, there's some interesting things that are going on in, in, OT security right now. Um, that's better than collapsing Purdue and, and just sticking a firewall. In the middle of it all, right? Um, so so there's a group there that are that that's doing some amazing work and the idea of a hybrid Purdue. And and I say hybrid Purdue, and that can mean a lot of things to a lot of different people. But the idea is you still keep you know layer zero separate segment segmented out, layer one segmented out, layer two, segmented out, layer three, etc. And then but instead of having this stack design like like Legos that are you know built up on top of each other. Um, they use a hub and spoke design, and at the very center of, of this um, design, this distributed design, uh, is this uh, a, a data movement plane. And so each one of these layers uh, can communicate with the other layers. You know, so layer zero can talk to layer one, but it goes through this hybrid, you know, data collection layer, if you will, the the juicy center. Um, and so everything flows into that juicy center. So zero to one goes through the, through the, the, center of the, the hybrid Purdue, um, and data can flow in from layer five. Uh, and then the, the center makes the decision whether or not that data is allowed to flow, uh, to the lower level, lower layers of the Purdue model. Um, and so, and that, that's a fantastic idea, um, but it falls into the yes, but, <laughs> you know, it's a great idea, but, you know, there's some concerns there, right? You, you have a single point of failure of all your controls and a single point of attack that's reachable from the outside world through layer five, right? So you only have to, you compromise one layer. Um, and, and so the idea that things are segmented out and that you've got rules, um, you know, but can that be tampered with? Uh, is that right for a distributed denial of service attack? How, How can you impact that critical infrastructure environment? So I think, I think that's an area that shows great promise and just amazed at what the guys that are working on hybrid Purdue are coming up with. And so, so great first start, you know, maybe nest that a little bit. And then, and then going back to, I mean, that, that might be a really good place where you could put something in like PQC, um, and then use, uh, you know, quantum as an enabling technology. Uh, where the communication is only allowed through known entities uh, through an encrypted heavily encrypted communication fortified communication using something like post-quantum cryptography Mm -hmm. and then not using the post-quantum cryptography as a uh, transmission data uh, data emotion protection but as a, a mutual authentication broker right and so you know, the, the, the key management, you know, you mm-hmm. being used to uh, uh, establish identity in a non-disputable fashion. And so I think that might be a good addition to that hybrid Purdue. I see another, yeah. another um, then there's another application and that's zero trust. Um, and, and I see great potential for uh, extending uh, layer two, layer three of the Purdue model using ZTNA. And essentially what you're doing is you're joining uh, a protected external resource to a like logical extension of layer two or a logical extension of layer three, not both, <laughs> right? Because you still want to have those layers of segmentation in there. And so a lot of progress being made with zero trust network access. Um and some really good vendors out there um, from a ZTNA perspective, NetScope is fantastic. Um you know, from that perspective and and they're making phenomenal strides. Um, But when you start talking about stuff like that, you know, so critical infrastructure, um, you wouldn't use the hybrid Purdue if you're, I see a lot of edge implementation and I think that's fantastic, right? And so using, using a, uh, an edge uh, architecture, near edge to provide Mm -hmm. low latency uh, data collection, you know, so near real time, ultra near real time, um, and then using something like ZTNA uh, to move the data into an analytics environment is probably not a bad solution. And and seeing some some uh, some good progress being made in industry there. Circling
0: um, back to your initial comment about that using you know post quantum cryptography or PQC, that's interesting. And and make sure I'm aligned here and understanding in that um, using. Th- PQC to basically handle identity management reduces the overhead and the load of trying to transmit that level of information over the existing infrastructure right so we do it as the initial are you a known quantity do i trust you yes i do let's fall back to trusted channel but that's not necessarily quantum enabled because we've handled that identity negotiation at the quantum level so we've we've leverage some of the benefits of quantum technologies yeah. in the lowest impact way possible. And then once we've done that, we're going to fall back. It's the same way we do yeah. asynchronous and synchronous key negotiation, right? We do async yeah. up front because it's easier to do, but it's slow and time consuming. And we're going to fall yeah. back to a synchronous key post that.
1: But you know, well, we're going to get flamed, right? I mean, so, you know, there's going to be hopefully millions of, of guys who watch this and they're going to go, Will, Ron, that's crap. That's not going to work layer two is all plcs how on earth i mean we can't do identity management at layer two now because the the the, uh limitations of of compute complexity complexity on the plcs right and so i I do a lot of work with um with plcs and and labs and and whatnot a lot of design stuff and and so yes that is 100 percent a challenge and so but it but it's but it doesn't eliminate all post quantum, right? So there are solutions out there in the post quantum in the PQC world that are designed to run on PLCs, just not 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 um, not mainstream, you know, today. So there's there's a lot of PQC solutions that are emerging in the market, but one of the things that they tend to share is um, they're pretty heavy, and and you know that type of solution won't won't work in PLC, uh, you know, and then there's there's a lot of solutions today that are trying to do identity management for PLCs and they struggle, you know, under even just TLS type, you know, any, any type of asymmetric. So, and, and you have to have an asymmetric solution in order to use your, your encryption as, a, as a, a means of identity management. But as we start talking about identity being the new perimeter, you know, and, and that's kind of one of the tenets of Zero Trust, then you need to establish a solution that can actually do that on a PLC. Layer layer three is not as complicated because you do have workstations in there that that have the capability and that can act as like a like a gateway to layer three. Um, but it becomes uh, uh, pretty problematic when we start talking about layer two. But there are solutions out there, and you know, a shameless plug: Patero is one of those that's designed to be ultra ultra lightweight. But I don't want to go too far into that. So.
0: Yeah, and so you mentioned ZTNA, zero trust network architectures, zero trust generally. Like, I, I thought that was just something we buy from a provider because they say they provide a zero trust.
1: Um, this is a very interesting, interesting thought. Um, so, <laughs> so
0: <laughs> clearly a little bit of sarcasm on my part, right? I think uh, many of the viewers uh, have been to plenty of cybersecurity conferences or seen plenty of marketing materials that that espouse that zero trust is a feature that you buy from a, a particular provider, and,
1: and, well, it's and You know, and I'll tell you that there's some challenges with with a lot of the zero trust implementations that I've seen as a security practitioner. You know, some of the zero trust solutions I have zero trust in, so they're aptly named, right? (laughs) Um, But I mean, so you know, from a ZTNA perspective, the way that works is you have a trust broker that acts as you know a, a a mutual authenticator. You know, it's it's neutral ground, and you know, and so that trust broker becomes your Uh, potential point of failure. And so you have to have a, a, you have to have a a trustable, trustworthy trust broker. That's a lot of T's. So we have to do a a session on all the T's.
0: Trust broker is an interesting one too, though, right? I think we've seen plenty of attacks recently uh, for software that is signed by, you know, none other than Microsoft, but they've managed to find their way into that particular supply chain and they're sending out malware that's signed as a a piece of good software or SolarWinds or, you know, the list goes on and on and on, right? So as soon as you start trusting your identity to somebody else, to your point, you have to trust the broker that's supposed to help you trust the,
1: uh, ah. Okta's having a bad year, right? This is the fourth breach this year, I think. Um, yeah, and, sure. and they're a, one of the, the core identity management solution providers, um, and, and, and heavily used. And so, in, in their defense though, I mean, they're like a huge target. They, they own most of that market. And so of course, everybody's beaten on Okta. Um, and, and so, I mean, you can expect to see that, but I mean, but, but you mentioned again, you know, with all of these breaches of IDMs and, and, and trust brokers being the target. I mean, you, you kind of have to have a supplemental control there. So what happens if it fails? And, and that's an interesting thought, right? Because could, you know, encryption be used as a supplemental form of, of, of authentication? You know, as we start talking about, you know, how do we mutually um, authenticate devices in a dynamically changing environment? Well, fortunately, manufacturing uh, environments typically don't change, but charging environments do right and so that's part of the critical infrastructure you know and i've got a buddy that has a map of all of the uh, ev charging stations here in louisiana uh, they're few and far between and so yes the <laughs> plan is it's like okay if i'm gonna need electricity i've got to take this path so in case i run out you know because uh, you can't just pull into a gas station you got to find an no. ev charger and you got to find the right ev charger <laughs> that's right and so it's like How many different vehicles are plugging into how many different charging environments? That's a dynamically changing environment. And perhaps PQC shows great promise there. I would tell you that it does, right? So using it as a supplemental, and I think that we'll see that almost as much as we see um, uh, verification codes being sent to mobile devices. Oh, you're trying to log into your bank. Please put in the five-digit code I just sent to your mobile device.
0: Yeah, no, totally. I I completely agree. I think, so, you know, we've laid out, I think, a good understanding of what the problem set is, right? We've got, one, jobs to be done. Sometimes you've got external or internal pressures telling you we just have to do this because, you know, reasons, Mr. or Mrs. Security person. We've got, no, we really need to do this work because it actually helps keep us all safe, but we don't want to have anybody there in the plant. We want to do it all from one location globally, (laughs) a separate problem altogether. We've got you know, these PLCs that are super low weight, light, lightweight devices that are doing all of the monitoring that also now have to send that telemetry. And we're asking them to do things they weren't never really, they were never really intended to do. So they're already a little bit stressed and maxed and circling around. And then we've talked about some of the the, the ways here, but How really does quantum help solve that problem so that a CISO can actually start saying yes? It's like, you know what? Yeah, we need to do all those things. We need that telemetry. And here's a solution we're going to put in place that's largely transparent to your needs that accomplishes the goal.
1: Yeah, so that's that's an awesome question. And so, you know, COVID, you know, COVID was an amazing, you know, uh, opportunity for a lot of lessons learned. And the OT environment, so many of the OT environments are air-gapped. You know, and, and and you've got a guy that's running around on a truck with a thumb drive, <laughs> you know, putting it into all these HMI and engineering workstations to pull data that that then can stick it into a, a mobile device and upload it to the cloud. But that's not a job you can do from home. It's like they actually have to physically go in. And and uh, and so we started looking at, you know, how do we covid enable you know ot environments to so so that the the maintainers can safely you know do the data collection from an air air-gapped arena or air-gapped environment how do you you know i'm a security guy I, I can tell you that you know wireless is is pretty scary to me you
0: well, ron you stole my thunder i was going to say you go buy a you know a cheap ZyZol. Wireless device and you just plug it in. All you need is power. It's it's really simple. and you drive by yeah. in your truck with your little Wi-Fi thing and you're you're good.
1: Oh well, and and don't think for a minute they don't make USB hotspots. <laughs> <laughs> you know, wish I had a dollar for every time I saw one of those in an environment like that. It's like, oh, I'll just go plug in this little hotspot. Problem solved, boss. You know, and yeah, then you, some, some CSO somewhere gets prosecuted, goes to jail.
0: You um, drive by an OT installation and you see a a, a little Bluetooth device hanging outside it's like mm, i don't think that's approved right there
1: <laughs> where did that come from <laughs> how did that get there and everyone's like i don't know it's just kind of, sort of you know um and so that, that's a that's a good place so i mentioned ztna being able to extend you know layer 2 safely and then you know only only um uh participants that can communicate over a pqc encrypted channel and then using uh pqc as a means of uh uh protecting not the communication but it, it's 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 kind of like how uh you know it, it's like the code breakers right we we used um navajo uh in, in the war and and you know you had to speak navajo <laughs> you know, if you didn't speak navajo you couldn't break the code that was that was our plan and um so kind of neat and so using pqc like that to logically extend layer two um, and again, at, at risk of being flamed, yes, that's that's not for the faint of heart. You have to have the right solution for that, and you either use ZTNA or PQC, um, and you can enable uh, that communication. But using PQC is uh, uh, authenticating the the participants in the communication. Someone that isn't that doesn't hold a PQC key, and then if you can dynamically rotate those keys, you know. Uh, over a, a very short period of time, doing some some sort of key rotation, then your your environment becomes very very difficult uh, to to expose exploit, and so it allows you to get the telemetry that you need. Do it over a dare I say wireless, not SISO, right? <laughs> not a USB, you know, um, but but a, a properly architected solution using PQC or D, ZTNA. Uh, extending logically, you know, a logical extension of layer two, a logical extension of layer three, so that you're collecting the data, but but also not putting layer two and layer three together into the same pool of you know, communication pool. Boy, that was a lot of words.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and only a few few acronyms, right? But I think we've covered and decomposed them all. Um, you know, are there other ways that you see, um, you know, customers or leaders thinking about how quantum can help them solve some of these problems? Uh, in, in addition to the ones that we've already talked about.
1: So yes, um, so there's there's a lot of folks that are looking forward to quantum, you know, compute capability uh, from a data analytics perspective, and so the the CIOs are getting excited about you know all of the ways that we can leverage ai over quantum um in, in order to glean insights that that you know that we miss as humans we've got all of this data and we, we can't necessarily correlate it all and there's there's hidden relationships that quantum can identify very quickly um in quantum time right you know actually it would be quantum polynomial time right um on, uh, but, but in any case you know and so there there's there's those of us that are looking forward to that um, and then from it's a It's a little bit
0: of the answer to a, a steal now decrypt later but on the positive side of things right it's like let's get all of this and then we're we're just waiting to see what some of uh, you know uh, quantum computing then, can do to help us make sense of all of that that big you know, and, and disparate I, data
1: you know and and I heard and I, I don't know much about it but I heard that there's some researchers that are working at leveraging quantum to to actually create homomorphic encryption it's a completely different take on quantum encryption, right? Um, which would be phenomenal because there's challenges with with uh, compute uh, in, in order to actually do hom- uh, homomorphic encryption. Uh, you know, and, and it's funny because the leader in homomorphic encryption is Intel, right? So they so they've, they've, they've uh, they're doing amazing things there. But there's there's potential for for quantum and quantum compute. Uh, that capability of being able to create actual homomorphic encryption. And so more to come on that. I've, I've got to do some more research, but that's exciting to me. Um, and, and then uh, anomalous behavior detection using quantum, quantum, quantum guards, if you will, that are looking at I mean, large swaths of NetFlow data mm-hmm. and gleaning threat intelligence, and then making the right decisions around what what what's the right defense. Are some of the, the areas that I see quantum starting to be leveraged just because of the the compute uh, power. So
0: understood. I know um, we we've talked about this. Uh, I think a little bit off and on in the two episodes up until now, and I, I wonder. It, probably not surprising that it comes up again. Like. Help us understand, like, you know, look into your crystal ball, uh, as it were, you know, I, I, we've already produced a couple of places to get flame, so why not produce another one, right? Um, <laughs> all press is good press, as it were. And kidding aside, um, how... What's the event horizon for some of these things? Are these things that you think security leaders just need to be aware of and be thinking of and be planning for and be thoughtful about and informing themselves on? Are some of these things that you may have mentioned more near-term than others? Are we still looking at a, yeah, you know, sorry, your 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 devices that are collecting telemetry are ultimately going to all have to be replaced. There's just no way about around it. Get over it. So, Is it kind of where are things at and <laughs> from where you okay. sit, right? So, I mean, yeah, much so, closer
1: to the problem. So awesome, awesome question. And so human behavior is a wonderful thing. And and, and uh, behaviorally speaking, the OT environment is going to stay behind. Um, it's just, I mean, it's too costly, too painful, too disruptive to rip and replace. So we have to build on the foundation that we have. And so, you know, from a, a, a CISO perspective, that's where you need to start looking at what are the technologies that we have today that can act as short, you know, uh, that, that can you know, shore up or or gap the need today? And I think PQC is the right answer for that. So um, put PQC gateway in front of the legacy environments, um, perhaps use ZTNA. PQC to me shows greater promise, the right PQC solution that can fit on a PLC, so I, so I don't get flamed by the naysayers. Um, but, but having the right solution uh, that exposes legacy uh, infrastructure in a safe and predictable fashion um, really, you know, resiliency, reliance, you know, those are the things that are kind of important. Um, and then as we start looking towards the future, you know, there's a whole host of uh, emerging technologies, uh, that, that, you know, the event horizon is probably, you know, two to three years. I think doing something now, especially from a, a critical infrastructure perspective so that the CISO can become a yes man, right. would be like, you know, so how do I get the data out of, out of my critical I- infrastructure so that I can do my digital twinning, for example? My what-if analysis. Okay, so uh, leverage PQC for that. Leverage ZTNA for that. Either one, right? PQC is, is my favorite. I think it holds a lot more water because you can do your identity management a little bit better and you're not relying on a third-party trust broker that's constantly under fire, right? So
0: Yeah, that may not be quantum resilient themselves. You should <laughs> which, ask. Yeah,
1: you know, and, and the last thing you want is, all your eggs in one trust broker basket, right? Um, because they're they're a heavy target. I mean, they're constantly being attacked, right? And so PQC has a little bit smaller attack surface. So I, I tend to go gravitate towards that route. But again, you also have to find the right solution. Um, and so there's there's that, and that that would be the immediate uh, that would be what I would recommend is you know this year, you know, it, um, and and if not this year, budget for it for next year because it's going to become. Uh, and then, in a critical infrastructure, you should have a budget for this year anyway, because it's now a federal requirement. You know so probably already in your budget. If it's not in your budget, definitely put it in your budget for next year. Um and while you're thinking about you know time frame and, and budget over the next several years, you know start looking at um, advances in you know quantum threat detection, right because I think that's gonna I, I see a lot of research being done that at the universities, um and we see, Uh, technology evolving very quickly like with ion q and now there's a carbon neutral quantum computer that's that was just funded uh and making phenomenal progress and then using that from a threat detection threat prevention perspective i think we'll probably see you know IDS ips uh that's going to be quantum based and i think we'll see that in the next two two to four years
0: it is really interesting too, right? I know this is a, a common retort, um, and and I'll totally own that. Uh, but it is a little bit of a situation of, as well, like, how much can you afford not to spend? How much can you afford not to plan? Because I, there, there is absolutely a, a business tipping point where um, you didn't want to spend X dollars on some of these Quantum-enabled solutions or quantum resilient solutions, but because you didn't, you had X, Y, Z outages that had these impacts, and it. Which there's always we're chasing the tipping point of, you know, how much do I spend today for something that I think might happen tomorrow? But when security leaders get that wrong, the cost to again our food system, our right. electrical grid, our because, it's very very high.
1: Of, yeah. But so and that's because that's the old mantra, right? Security is is the roadblock. You know, it's the you know it's not really a roadblock, it's guardrails, right? It's the it's the guardrail at the top of the cliff versus an ambulance at the bottom of the cliff, right? And that's I mean, that's what you really want your security. If you're gonna use an outdated, you know, um mental picture, that's that's kind of the that's kind of the picture that you want, the the you know, the rails around the top of the cliff versus the, the ambulance at the bottom. But we need to shift that to Um, enabling technology, right? So PQC, for example, enables uh, CISOs to uh, let data flow, you know, fly, be free. (laughs) (laughs) Let the the data flow, you know, from the, uh, you know, layer two, layer three, the data that we need to support all of the initiatives like process improvement and uh, allowing CIOs, COOs, to realize um, significant revenue potential, of the data that's being collected. Now now we're able to get that data out where it needs to be in a safe fashion. And so then it becomes enabling technology. And it's like, what is the return on investment of that enabling technology? Uh, And and I think we're starting to see that shift. And so that's why I started with it's a great day to be in security, (laughs) you know, you know, because it's there's daylight, you know, the dark days of being the no-guy. And worse, the the no guy that's affecting the bottom line, you know, that's a very painful place to be. To now, it's like, ta da! You know, <laughs> the, the the clouds have parted, the sunlight's shining through. The you know, the angels are singing, and and it's not just because of you know quantum, right? But it's because uh, security is being viewed in in a different light. We're, mm-hmm. we're we're not you know we're we're not the you know first line of defense, last line of defense now we're we're jumping in alongside our peers, you know working hand in hand to accomplish a common goal um faster, more effectively, more efficiently, and safer right?
0: I do and think so, it's really interesting too here with like uh, you know a number of these quantum technologies that is as the marketplace and the solutions continue to grow and evolve, like we we could point to countless examples over history that are technical and and their nature that as they mature, costs go down. Um, so, yeah, we may be on the leading edge of this, but it's it's in some ways, I'm, I'm thankful that we have critical infrastructure that, you know, to a certain extent, just kind of has to pay for some of these solutions. And they're forced to be early adopters of some of these things because they drive that innovation, They drive the reduction in costs of a number of these things. And as they mature, they'll just get more affordable, which totally changes the risk calculus, which completely changes the discussion for organizations. Like the time will come when, in my opinion, the the discussions around quantum are completely different because the technology is more mature. It's been seen by others in more organizations. The costs are beginning to reduce. As an example, I think of solar, right? It's like when fossil fuel energy is super cheap and solar is net new and it's expensive, well, no, nobody's going to adopt. When you hit a point where fossil fuels start to get really expensive and it's really cheap to produce solar and, oh, by the way, the energy is clean, then there's a place where the economics change completely. And I think we're, we will continue to soldier down the path where the same begins to be much more true for for quantum enabling technologies.
1: True. And, and, and that's not true for every quantum technology today. I mean, so... The, the the quantum technologies that build on top of existing uh, infrastructure and makes it better. I have a friend that says her favorite saying is when she's talking to her team, she says, yeah, even better if we're going to have an even better if discussion. Right. And I want you to tell me how I can make this product even better if, you know, and so if we look at quantum from a even better if our critical infrastructure would be even better if. We could safely get the data out of layer two and layer three so that we could realize the revenue potential of that. And then we can uh, re-engineer our processes. We can re-engineer our product and we can find ways of, of reducing cost, ways of reducing environmental impact and, and you know, doing, doing good in so many different ways. You know, and all brought to you by Quantum.
0: <laughs> you know, there needs to be a Q abbreviation for that, I'm sure. Uh, a, Q, a Q tagline there. <laughs> Ron, as I am wont to do when we have these conversations, it's it's so great to talk about them. What do you believe the take-home message for the session today is? For somebody that absolutely wants to believe that Quantum can help them in their security role, begin to say yes more, like, what are my next steps? What do I need to do? How do I need to educate myself? What I believe everything you said, Ron, I'm convinced.
1: Now what? Ah, so good next step is know where your data is. Know where your data is needed. Understand how that data needs to flow. Um, and then find the right solution to help enable that data flow. And, and, and take a close look at PQC because it could enable you to do that safely.
0: Ron, I have to say, that's what I've loved about these conversations so far, and I'm confident our our last one coming up soon will be exactly the same, is that where we seem to always end up in our discussions is really back to some cybersecurity fundamentals, like know what you have, know who wants it, know what you need to spend to secure it, have a plan, have a cybersecurity thought, uh, and, and feeling going into all of that, because quantum is one tool in the quiver to help you further secure your organization, and it has to fit into that context.
1: Absolutely. Good point. That's
0: great. Ron and Patero, thank you so much for joining us again on the third installment of this series where Cyberry partners with Patero to jump into quantum computing and all of the iterations of quantum that we can possibly think of and how they impact the cybersecurity landscape. Don't forget to tune in to the fourth episode coming very, very soon. Ron, thank you for the time today. It's a pleasure as always. Thanks, Will. Cybrary the premier cybersecurity skill development platform is empowering individuals and teams to secure the future of technology. See why 3 million people have already signed up when you visit www.cyberary.it.